Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We talked today to Mark Sharma, CEO of Energy Fuels. They made an announcement recently about moving into the rare earth space. Uh, now we wonder if that's going to affect their uranium and vanadium business. He assures us that it is not. This is a new revenue stream for them utilizing the extensive capabilities of the White Mesa mill. So we want to understand the economics around it, the timing around that, and he gives us a bit of background into his thinking now and promises to come back to us when they've kind of firmed up on some of those numbers. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. Hello, Mark. How are you, sir? I'm excellent, Matt. I'm, I'm, How are you? It's been a while. I know, I know, I know. I'm liking that painting behind you. What's, what, what's going on there? Is this a home? You're at home, not at the office, well, are you? When you're when you're airing out of your uh, living room, uh, you know you just got to find something that looks uh, yeah uh, you know reasonable behind. You didn't knock that up yourself then. No, I didn't. I don't have any artistic skills. Okay. I'm a mining engineer. Mining engineer. Okay, good. Um, thanks for taking our call. First of all, um, we listened to the call yesterday um, with regards to your most recent announcement with regards to rare earths, getting into the rare earths business. Can you just talk us through that? What, what, what's, the, what's the idea? Why, why rare earths? Uh, look, at, um, first of all, we're very excited about this new opportunity for us, Matt. Um, you know, as I've said on the call, we're first and foremost a uranium producer, and that's the key focus of the, of the business. Um, but, um, you know, like vanadium and some of the other uh, business opportunities that we're, we're always progressing, uh, we had a lot of inbound calls from, you know, various parties that either had uh, uh, rare earth projects or um, other, um, you know, sources of rare earth or, or the U.S. government. And it came a point where we, we, we couldn't turn our head to it. Um, you know, the White Mesa Mill was so uniquely suited with our ability to handle um, some of these streams, uh, particularly those that have uranium content. Uh, and we have a facility that can handle this low level material, which is a real problem for other, other people. But they're not a problem for us. So um, we, um, we decided to, to, to put out that press release. We, we mentioned it a few weeks ago that we were looking at it. Um, and as I said, we would not have done that release and not be pushing this if we didn't think this had some real opportunities, secondary to the Iranian business plus. So this isn't just window dressing something to say, just kind of keep your name out there. This, this is a serious commercial venture. Absolutely. It's not window dressing. And, and I actually think that a lot of the other uranium guys um, uh, are quite envious that we have some of this optionality. And, and as I said, we're not trying to brand ourselves other than first and foremost, a uranium company, but um, this is a real opportunity. And there is a lot of uranium tied up in rare earths around the world. And uh, why not? Why not if we're at a head start to, um, well, most people, that we have this facility, you know, some of these rare earth um, uh, opportunities, you know, can't be developed because of the uranium content. They can't get the permits to, to, to process those ores. Um, I think you're seeing, you know, some backlashes with some of the larger rare earth producers in, in the world. 
I won't mention one of them, but uh, they have a facility that they're getting a lot of backlash from a number of NGOs. And, and I don't wish it harm on anybody, but we have a facility that's got 40 years of history dealing with these types of materials um, at White Mesa. Okay, look, I don't think it's any a secret that I like the fact that you have got experience in producing and selling uranium into the market and the other component, and you've got cash, you know, I think maybe you got lucky or maybe it was good foresight on your part to raise the cash when you did, but it's certainly very useful for you now. But the, the third thing which I liked was the mill. Now, if I'm a shareholder, I'm going to like this a lot. If I'm not, if I'm invested in one of your other companies, at one of your other competitor companies, I probably don't like it so much. But I need to understand what the mill is capable of. It's an extremely large mill. You've got a series of licenses on it. So let me just start with that. What is it licensed to do? Okay, well, look, at it's um, primarily licensed to treat uranium ores and vanadium ores. But, um, you know, over the course of the last um, 20 years or so, we've taken a number of other um, feed streams that we've had uh, permits to, to, to receive. And most of those are, you know, low-level uh, natural uranium uh, streams that, that uh, you know, could come from a number of things like, for example, you know, um, resins from water treatment plants. Um, we've received uh, material from other uranium producers. Um, uh, we've uh, received uh, streams from uh, some of the conversion facilities and whatnot, and recover the uranium from those streams. So um, we have the ability to take uh, a number of streams. I think we have uh, license amendments for 17 currently um, streams other than just primary ores. Um, and we have taken uh, some of those streams from other rare earth producers in the past and recovered uranium from those streams. So th this is not new to us, um, but what is, um, you know, the advantage, it's a large mill, it's a, about 2,000 tons per day, but most of these rare earth streams are going to be much smaller than that. So we don't need the full capacity of the mill uh, to enter this business. Okay, so, so and a few things I want you to explain there. So um, I'll come back to the rare earth component in a second. But the, when you say these streams, you've got 17 licenses for, for different types of streams coming, feeding into the mill. Does that mean that these streams operate concurrently uh, with, with each other? Or do they, how do you set the mill up to run different streams at the same time? Well, we, we, we usually do it on a batch basis. So... Um, you know, we'll accumulate some of this material uh, maybe for, you know, six months or a year or two, and then we'll do a run on that material uh, through the mill. We, we actually, at the mill, we have um, the front end of the mill that you can, you can uh, process some of this material through, but we also have a separate alternate feed circuit that, that, that can enter the mill in a different location or locations. So it's very flexible, Matt, and, and, and I think I've told you before, it's really the reason the White Mesa Mill has survived the test of time is because of the, of the um, uh, foresight of the people owning the mill um, to make sure that it was as flexible as possible. So, you know, this is not new, and um, it's been a, a, a good secondary business for um, the, the facility for, for decades. And we plan to expand that. You know, we, I think I've said that historically it's probably been a five to say $15 million a year business. But I don't see any reason it cannot be 
50 million dollars a year who knows maybe more maybe 100 million dollars a year extra business in addition to uranium production okay so we've talked we've talked we've talked in the past about uranium and vanadium and people want to understand that could should go and look at those videos so let's, let's get on to the rare earth component here so rare, rare earths by definition are rare so therefore they have a high value uh, and potentially high margin. So how, I mean, and I don't know how much work you've done on this, but you're looking at multiple sources of feed. How, do, how, how would those arrangements work? Are they JVs with people? Are they just, you know, commissioning uh, you to just process their ore and they, they, they take all the upside? How do you make money? Well, look, at that's um, it's still early days, as I said on the call yesterday. Um, you know, we're mainly looking at it from a tool processing perspective. Um, you know, we're also going to be evaluating a number of opportunities that uh, are presenting themselves um, to find, uh, you know, which uh, streams that are out there that we can process. Uh, you know, I mean, one of the things with multiple streams is it may require, you know, different processing equipment and, and different sizing of equipment. So. It's very early stages, but um, you know we're looking at initially as a toll processing arrangement, but it could uh, be something else. I mean, uh, you know, we mentioned in the call that we weren't planning to, uh, you know, become a miner of rare earths, but again, um, you know, we'll just take it a step at a time and see where it leads us. But the the key bit is is that we're not going to lose our capability at White Mesa for processing uranium and vanadium. Um, you know, it's likely that we would have a separate circuit that would be literally bolted on to the facility. Um, you know, typically you're not talking the tonnages that we'd have from processing traditional ores. So, um, as I said, it's early days, but we're, we're very excited. And, um, you know, the fact that we have the facility, we have the permits, we have the tailings uh, areas that are uh, state-of-the-art. Um, designed for a thousand years, triple lined. We have two cells that have a lot of capacity in, and we've been permitting two additional cells. So we've been looking far down the path here. Okay. And as I said, we, um, we're very excited about this, Matt. No, I, I get it, and I get that it's early days, but I, I wondered why you'd made the announcement now, and you know, therefore, how much do you know? Because, you know, um, being able to bolt on a circuit and process presumably much lower volume of ore. Is, is, is that the case? I mean, you did sort of indicate that a second ago. We, we, like, by what yeah, quantum? Look, we, we could be very small quantums. You know, you know I mean, instead of a, a facility that, that can process six, say, six, seven hundred thousand tons per year, you know, you could be talking, you know, five thousand tons, 10, 20,000 tons, very small quantities relative to what you'd process through uranium circuit right but the margins are high because the value is high yeah a lot of it um you know some of the material may have been you know pre-concentrated uh may not be um so um yeah they look at the reason we made the announcement is that um there were so many inbound calls i mean you know literally dozens and dozens of calls here of people saying do you know what you have do you know what a big role White Mesa could play in this space? And I was going from call after call. So we couldn't turn our head to it. And, and um, you know, again, that's one of the best opportunities when people are calling you and saying, we think this facility could play a, a, a role. 
Now, I don't talk in absolutes because we've got to take it a step at a time. But the market seemed to react uh, positively to it. Now, we've had a number of, um, you know, different factors over the last uh, few days. You know, the price of uranium is going up. Um, you know, this, this supply disruption because of COVID-19. And then we added this, um, you know, so we, we, we've had a lot of interest in the stock, a lot of volume. Um, and, um, you know, we, we've been, and, and we're still getting, even after that call, a lot of inbounds from other people because of that call. No, I don't, that, that, in, we've, we've been watching, you know, the share price has bounced back up. I think the, the whole sector has done quite well, obviously. Obviously, it's, it's terrible news. You know, COVID-19 is not a pleasant thing for anyone to have to deal with. And it's affecting a lot of people in very, very negative ways. But for uranium and gold, it's, it's, what, the, it's what it needed. It's, it's reacted strongly to, to this news. And I, and I guess, you know, with, with, you know, with all the negative stuff aside, it, you, you uranium CEOs must be quite pleased with the way the market has reacted. I mean, you guys have been starving for three, four, five years. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, and I think I've said this to you before, too. I usually find that the, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, it usually takes um, a number of small things to add up to a major thing in this business. You know, like, you know, you saw the, you know, the, the shutdowns of some of these facilities, um, you know, and then it started, you know, in Canada, and then you saw it in Namibia, it's all in Kazakhstan, um, the conversion facility, uh, you know, Cameco shut down the conversion facility. Uh, so it all starts building. So then there's a shortfall of production that people were expecting. Price uranium starts to go up. Uh, the whole COVID um, issue has heightened the awareness on dependency on other countries, uh, particularly some of those that are, are, you know, political adversaries. You know, so all this stuff starts feeding and people start saying, you know, going for the cheapest product isn't necessarily the best option. And it is not the best option, particularly on a number of critical materials. I'm not talking minerals. I'm talking materials that are necessary for a country like the United States of America to be ready and prepared and have security supply at different levels um, to not have that total dependency. Okay, I've got to ask this question. You, you did the section 232 petition. You were one of the, the two guys, you, you and Jeff at your energy, okay? And you've been huddled up in on Capitol Hill talking to people, knocking on doors, and you've been pushing the security issue. Has this rare earths story come about because of conversations up on the hill? Are you getting support for this announcement from U.S. government? I mean, is there some kind of connection between those two decisions? What, I mean, what, what's generally what, what was the genesis of this? You got some inbound calls, I get it, but what's the genesis of this idea? Well, I think the genesis is the awareness over the last several years, actually, that we become overly dependent on a lot of our critical minerals. And um, they were basically on separate paths, separate but similar paths. Um, now we've been approached um, by some in government on the rare earths, um, say even a year ago. Um, and we uh, expressed interest in it. But again, you know, we don't want to lose focus. You know, we're not trying to morph ourselves into something that we're not. 
um, you know, we wanted to keep our main focus on uranium because that's our main game. So, um, you know, yeah, we did have made a lot of contacts um, with the government. Several of those contacts uh, also have an interest in rare earths. And I think, and I believe that a lot of them will be very pleased that we're, we're being more uh, aggressive on the rare earth front, um, you know, because of particularly what we've communicated in the last few weeks. So, um, you know, I think it just highlights, um, you know, I, I think that White Mesa has the potential to be um, a huge um, critical mineral central when you look at the critical mineral of uranium, vanadium, and now we start expanding into the rare earths themselves. Uh, which are also critical minerals, um, you know, where else would you find that, Matt, in the United States or in the world? And even though we're still hanging our hat on uranium, first and foremost, um, as I said, we can't turn our head to it, and it's a legitimate opportunity. So, um, you know, we're going to be pursuing it, but, um, you know, when we have to make a choice between one or the other, it's going to be first uranium um going forward but um but we're definitely gonna focus on this um with at least uh you know a, a few people a few employees uh, trying to advance this as quickly as they can okay when are you going to be in a position because actually let's start with what is the process that you have to go through to understand the economics as to whether you do invest in a new circuit or some kind of upgrade to the current mill because it you are you are going to need to spend some money in this thing. And obviously in this climate, money's, money's tight. When was the process and when do you make that decision? Yeah. Well, look, you've, you've got to start from the material that's available to be processed. So, um, you know, we'll start looking at uh, different feeds. Uh, we have already got some feeds from other groups that we're testing to, to determine, uh, you know, what the mineralogy is and, you know, what it takes to uh, unlock uh, some of these minerals. Um, you know, we've got a full lab at White Mesa. Uh, we can do a lot of uh, pilot testing at White Mesa, which gets us, again, ahead of everybody else. Um, we also have, and I have had a long relationship with Ansto in Sydney um, with testing and um, on uranium projects, but they're also one of the world leaders on rare earths. I'm a firm believer that you need to know what you don't know. Remember that little saying? I, I love said, that phrase. Yes. Um, but I've got uh, a number of contacts with, with uh, Ansto. Um, they can uh, provide support where we don't have the knowledge in some of these areas. There uh, also could be other people here in the United States or Canada that we may tap into. But uh, we will go where we can get the best advice, but at the same time, uh, we've got a head start with a full laboratory and the ability to pilot material right now. And and we are testing rare earth material right now for recovery because we have facilities to do so. And again, timing. G can you give us an idea of timing? Because, okay, that's yeah. a process you're going yeah. through. But when, people are going to be excited about, yeah. look, you talked about 50 million bucks earlier, right? So people are going to be excited about when when are we going to start seeing some movement on this? Yeah, look, it, we, there could be movement on this in the coming weeks, okay? Um, we think that it is possible, and I said this on the call, but I'm not, that we could be treating, so look, at some of these streams we think we can treat now, okay, if, if they're suitable for 
um, our process or our modified process. Um, but we, we, we think that this is not multiples of years out. This is just, you know, a year or two out um, for certain processing um, of certain streams, you know. Um, but again, I, we're not so far ahead uh, that we can, we can really give any specific dates. But uh, we are far closer to the market than somebody that's, that's you know, trying to build a facility from scratch um, by years and years and probably, um, you know, millions and millions of dollars, I, you know, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars. I, I don't know. It depends on the scale and the size. So, so we, um, uh, we think we're offering something unique here and, um, and, and, and scarce. Um, and that's a good place to be in. That's a very good place to be in. Um, so you're gonna, if it is weeks, you pick up the phone and let us know, because you know that's pretty exciting. That can be very exciting to everyone because if you're able to, in a few weeks, start giving us definition of the process and the numbers and the timing, that would be that would be great news indeed. Yeah, I just want to say one thing: is that you know, look at, I mean. You know, as I said, we, we, we've already started some testing, and um, you know, if 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 we come have a party that you know we can, you know, team with that, that we can go public with, we'll, we'll certainly update the market with that, you know, at the appropriate time. So, um, but as I said, we, we do have material from you know some projects right now hmm. that um, we're looking at and we're testing okay. as we speak. So the, and, and, and just to be clear, because you, you mentioned you've got a lab facility. This isn't just regular toll milling. You've got a lab facility there. You're dealing with radioactive material. It's it's actually quite sophisticated, not just a kind of regular processing mill here we're talking about. Yeah. Well, look, at, I mean, we've got the facility. We've got around 60 people at the facility. Um, we have a, a very sophisticated lab. Um, we have the, the ability to deal with those streams, um, you know, dispose of those streams when we're done testing them. Um, just a very, uh, very unique position to be in. Okay. Well, let, let's, let's move on from that. So thank you very much for explaining what, what's going on and what, what you're thinking. I do want more from you as, as, as it develops, um, please. Um, the market, actually, we touched upon it earlier, you know, Cigar Lake, Kazatom Prom, Rossing, even uh, Husab, all affected, you know, you know, between 20 and 40 million pounds out of the market, just like that, almost in, in, in a two-week period. Your share price has recovered. Lots of uranium juniors are feeling the benefits of that. And there's a kind of change in sentiment. So that's all good. I want to talk to you about What's the reality of how quick, how quickly the share, the spot price moves to a point where you can start making a decision? Because you talked about forty bucks, forty bucks isn't going to move the dial for you. How do you think? Or sorry, do you think Kazatom Prom and Cameco would like to control the, the price and make it remain somewhere around the you know the forties? In which case, what do you do? Yeah, look, I um. I don't think forty dollars is enough for Cameco either. Okay. Um, you know, there are there are some projects in Kazakhstan that probably forty is a nice place to be, um, but um, you know, I th I think that we still need that north of fifty uh, to be sustainable and 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 really need closer to sixty 
to be able to take full loading on cost. If you took Cameco's cost on Cigar Lake or MacArthur, including expiration, development, and all that, um, they're going to be way above $40 per pound. And anyone from Cameco would agree with that. Now, going forward, you know, and that's what most people are looking for right now is their going forward costs. So, um, look, it, it, um, I think that companies like um, uh, Kez Adam Prom, you know, would like it not to go too high so they can kind of maintain um, um, their, you know, leading role there. Um, uh, but I, they've also benefited from the reduction, their, their, the weakening of their currency, you know, this whole Russian oil pump that pump it out, uh, pushing down the ruble, pushing down the tinge, uh, does also give them an advantage. Um, so yeah, no, we do need higher prices and, um, really anyone in the Western world that says that they can do it at $40 per pound, um, sustainably, I, um, I really, you know, will question them. I think there may be one project that I know of in Australia, uh, that at Olympic dam and, and maybe, um, the Heathgate Resources projects might right. be able to do really well at $40, but, but that's only a certain amount of production, you know. I mean, you can look at demand being, you know, starting to push towards 200 million pounds per year. Um, you know, there's only so many projects that can produce under that $40 per pound positively. So here's the question, given what's going on at the moment, when do you think it's going to hit 40 and uh, where do you think it's going to settle? Well, that's the big question, Matt. But um, I think we've seen that the uranium price can move up quickly, mm. fairly quickly. I mean, it's gone up, uh, uh, you know, 25% in the last month or so. Um, you know, I think that um, these disruptions are starting to shake people up. And I think it, it may start shaking up the utilities a bit. Um, you know, I don't know if it'll happen, but some people have been saying that, you know, uranium could go past 40 pretty quickly. Um, you know, I think there's less uranium out there than um, uh, people think. Um, I think that um, it's also apparent to me that what you see the Russians doing with, with oil and gas, they also want to do with uranium and nuclear fuel products. The Russian suspension agreement expires at the end of this year. Um, where it was limiting the Russians to 20% of the market in the United States. I think they'd like to expand that. I think that is the absolute wrong thing to do is, is allow the Russians to have a larger share of the U.S. market. So that's going to be an interesting um, saga to watch unfold over the rest of this year. Um, but um, so, no, it's a very interesting time, and I think it's a time that um, – a lot of our investors have been waiting for for a long time, and uh, they're starting to see how these little little things all add up to be big things. So, look, I wouldn't be surprised if um, we see 40, um, I don't know, I don't want to speculate, but shortly in the next month or two, um, but we may not. Yeah, I, th I think that's the, is the big question. Need to see what the utilities are doing. I mean, we're hearing, we're hearing, um we spoke with a uh, uranium trader. He said that he's been getting a lot more inbound phone calls. Not a lot more trading in terms of volume, small amounts, but where the utilities would typically for him sit back and just watch what the market is doing and you know watch it settle. 
again, they've been one of the first on the phone, you know, to, to him. And he's a reasonably big trader. So it's kind of indicative that they, as you said at the beginning, are perhaps a little bit more unsettled than they were three weeks, four weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, no, look, it, um, I think that, that people become complacent on these supply chains. When the price of uranium moved in 2006, seven very quickly, it was on the back of supply disruptions, um, flooding of MacArthur uh, um, mm-hmm. and Cigar Lake. Um, uh, you know, we, and now those were longer term uh, interruptions. You know, I'm not sure how long the COVID uh, interruption will last, uh, but it, it, it just highlights that there's, um, um, there's no certainty. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean that one of these mines um, can't flood again. It doesn't mean that there can't be a civil war or something else that happens that, that, that disrupts supply. So, um, yeah, look, and I think um, the unfortunate thing about the world, and particularly the United States, is they become addicted to cheap, cheap, cheap. You know, uh, the American consumer, including um, a lot of companies and, and including utilities, you know, they go for the cheapest product they can get for the lowest dollars. And, and I understand why they're, 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 everybody's trying to push the best margins they can, but going cheap on everything isn't um, necessarily the best plan. Um, you know, look what we've uh, discovered with in the United States and in the world, actually, how dependent we are for a lot of our pharmaceuticals, um, you know, and other supplies, uh, health supplies, whatnot. Um, you know, it, 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 same thing's happening with energy. And, um, and, and let's watch this space, Matt. Well, look, um, thanks very much. I mean, I, the thing I wanted to talk about was the rare earths. You know, we should probably catch up and see what's going on with the rest of the organization with regards to the uranium and vanadium, certainly as this price movement carries on through. I mean, every day feels like a like a new story uh, to me. Um, there's always something big going on in uranium at the moment. After a few years of, um, let's say, quiet, yeah, uh, it's probably, probably very welcome. Look at man, and and also you know in our our position as energy fuels, we've got a lot of inventory, and every time that price goes up, that inventory becomes more valuable. So we have around um, currently a little over five hundred thousand pounds of inventory. Uh, we expect that to grow to around seven hundred thousand pounds of inventory. So you know if you do your math at um, five to seven hundred thousand pounds at twenty five dollars a pound, and then you do your math at say five to seven hundred thousand pounds at 40 or 45 um we can get a lot of bang out of that and um you know we've been hoping to sell that material to the u.s government and this uh national uh, stockpile um at a premium and we still hope we can sell that at a premium but unlike just about anybody else out there, we have inventory and, and, and none of the small players have inventory. UR Energy has some inventory, but we have a lot more inventory than anyone out there in the world, you know, outside of the Camicos and the Rivas. Um, you know, we have substantial amount of inventory. So not only do we have cash in the bank, we've got inventory uranium, we've got inventory of vanadium, and we will play those to our best advantage. Beautiful. I'm sure your shareholders are delighted to hear that. So, but let let's uh, finish up there. Appreciate your time. Um, glad to see you're well, keeping safe, and the family are well. Um, maybe, maybe let's talk next week because I think next week's going to feel like a like a whole new story again. Well, 
I hope so, because when the market moves, at least when the market's moving up, it all feels better, Matt. It takes away a lot of problems, right? Uh, there's, there's different sorts of questions, different sorts of questions. But uh, yeah. Okay. Well look, well, look, we'll speak to you soon, Mark. Thanks very much for today. I appreciate your time. Okay, Matt. Have a good evening. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.